Britain, so familiar territory for most people, most Bible students, but that's precisely why we're going there, because it's good material. It's, um, you know, those well-traveled paths, those places that are kind of highways, we go back to repeatedly, we spend time there because it's um, those formative things that make us who we are, help us to know who we are before God. And so I was in this, in my study, a couple of weeks ago, and the content is just so good. So I thought I'd deliver that to you guys, and um, we'll get into the Word here. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we, uh, we come before you weekly, hopefully daily, to spend time with you, to seek you, to hear what you have to say to us, to, to search you out, um, to find you in these places that tell us about who we are to you and what you've done for us and um, why so conspicuously we're special to you. And, um, and thankfully we find those things. Thankfully you've spelled it all out for us. Thankfully you've, you've not hid these things from our knowing. And because of that, we can, we can have a life that's full of good. And we can seek out good things because you've told us the good. And you've told us how to be that. And you've, you've shown us your son. And he was all the willing to come and live and die and uh, show us who you are to be that example for all of us to be a shepherd to us to lead us in and to lead us out and uh, that's why we come to these places to be reminded of your goodness so bless our time in your word help us to know who you are more today in Jesus name Amen yeah, um, you know, uh, there's always that temptation, especially in beings like ourselves, finite beings who get bored easily, um, to uh, just make these places of Scripture something that becomes rote, you know, something that becomes... Uh, Familiar, and when it's familiar, it becomes ordinary. Things that are common often becomes plain or ordinary, or, and and so it can be that. But it can also be something that we we never get tired of, because the word is living, because he meets us when we go there. Um, it can be full of richness every single time, and you could you could dedicate your entire life to this chapter if you wanted, and still be able to to squeeze out more, more nutrients, more for the soul. And, you know, that's what the word meditate means. Actually, you probably all know this, but we'll go over it again. The word meditate means to ruminate. And that's what cows do. They ruminate. They, they chew. And then they swallow it down. And it goes into a reticulum. And it sits there. And it gets more nutrients out for the body. And transfers all those... Nitri- the nitrogen, the carbohydrates and proteins are formed from that and they 
kick it back up their esophagus and they chew it some more. They chew and they chew and they chew. It's quite a picture, isn't it? <laughs> you can even watch it. I was pointing it out to my kids. We were down there at the little uh, live nativity in Union. And I was like, kids, look, look, watch. And all of a sudden he'll swallow. And all of a sudden he stops chewing for a second. And you see that bolus go right back up and he starts chewing again. It goes right back up the esophagus. That's what we're supposed to do with the Word of God. We're supposed to chew on it. And we're supposed to ruminate and uh, get every little bit of nutrients out of it. So, um, Jesus deals with sheep in this chapter. They're ruminants by choice, by design. They're ruminants. They ruminate. And he chose those animals as a picture. And that digestive tract that they have is what we're supposed to emulate. So... Um, here, let me just read this because this was, I'm going to break into a fairly long statement that's not based on the scripture that I was going to read, but it's important because Peter, at the end of his life, um, talks about the same thing I'm talking about right now, which is bringing things to remembrance, which is going over things that are are common, but the things that are common are also oftentimes the things that are most important too. I mean, we don't want to, like I said earlier, we don't want plain to get in the way of the value of something that's common. We don't want, you know, air is common, but if you don't have it, you don't take it for granted for very long. And it's the same thing with the scriptures. If we don't have it, we don't use it, then you miss out on the most important things in life. So, he says, Peter, in first chapter of Peter chapter 1, first um, uh, Peter chapter 1, excuse me, grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ our Lord, according as His divine power has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness through knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity, for if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacks these things is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet also that as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up and putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this tabernacle, even as the Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. Moreover, I endeavor that you may be able after my decease, to have these things always in your remembrance. So, 
Like I said, this is common ground, but it's also holy ground. And there's those places that we ought to spend and God ought to say to us, take off the shoes from your feet for the place in which you stand is holy ground. This is kind of one of those places for me. Um, But an entrance. So, verily, verily, is how he starts out this. This is a statement that is particular to John. Amin, amin. It's, It's also amen, but it was found in the synagogues. And people would say it before, just as Jesus is doing. And they would also say it after. Let it be is, is how we would render it for ourselves. You know, in the same way somebody offers up a prayer. Let it be, Lord. Let it be. Yes, Lord. You know, and, and affirming the agreement of those things. But it was also, it's almost indispensable with the word true and faith. And true, you know. Verity, veritas, and you know, th- those are big words, important words. And so he's he's starting out by saying that. That's his introductory statement, and he reiterates it for emphasis' sake. He says, "Truly, truly," and it's John alone who has that particularity um, about his record. Twenty-six times he says this, according to John. He's got it multiple times in three where he uses it before Nicodemus. I think that's the first chapter he uses it, but I think. Um, He uses it here twice. Verily, verily. Um, True, true. You know? And and it's, it's almost, you know, it's pay attention, of course. But there's so many naysayers around Jesus. He's... He's actually, it's also sort of a challenge to everybody who would say otherwise, you know, truly. And it gets your attention. A truth is about to be spoken. And, and so it's not just rhetoric. It's not just um, soft talk. It's not just, um, you know, dialoguing back and forth. It's... It's something is about to be said. And that means that if it's true, it's true everywhere. And it's true all the time. And so, he's passing this along. Truly, truly, I say to you, he that enters not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that enters in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and leads them out. And when he puts forth his own sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger they will not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of the strangers. This parable Jesus spoke unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said again, Verily, verily, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep do not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and go in and go out, and find pasture. The thief comes not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they may have it more abundantly. 
I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But he that is a hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, see the wolf coming and leave the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches them and scatters the sheep. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and cares not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and am known of mine. As the Father knows me, even so know I the Father and lay down my life for the sheep. Other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and there shall be, they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore does my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it again, and no man takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down, I have the power to take it again. This commandment I received of my father. And there was a division, therefore, among the Jews for these sayings. And many of them said, He has a devil. He is mad. Why hear him? And others said, These are not the words of him that has a devil. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? We'll stop there. So, I say to you, our God is a speaking God. And, you know, even in... That opening statement of Matthew chapter 5, it says that he opened his mouth and he taught them. He opened his mouth and he taught them. He is, even the statement, he ever lives to make intercession for us. He, he speaks and, and so we can know him. And isn't it nice, you know, logos, that in, in the Greek, not just in our biblical Greek, but in, in common Greek, it was, generally understood that to speak is to think and to think is to speak and and that means that we can know God's thoughts the fact that he spoke the fact that he is the logos it means that he wanted to be known and he wanted us to know him so he says I say to you you're going to know something new here he that enters not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. Climbs up some other way. You've got a door, and you're climbing up some... That, that's not right, right? And it, you know the word pervert? The word pervert means to turn aside, or to turn even on its side. And any, any three-year-old can drive by a car accident and see a twisted heap or a car on its side and recognize this is not right. There's something askew. There's something out of, out of normal. There's something misarranged. And, and that's what he's saying. If you see this, it's not right. This is not the natural tendency. When you have a way and you choose not the way, but you choose some harder way to get into a confinement, that ought to stand out to you. Anybody who sees somebody entering in some other way. It'd be just as strange to see a place that has just a door and no walls using the door. Wouldn't it? That's the inverse of it. It would be just as strange to see somebody trying to climb over a wall when there's a door as it would be to see somebody using a door when there's no wall. That would be odd. But there is a wall and there is a door. 
And so there's a propriety about what he's saying. There's a proper way to enter this. A way has been made. And I'll try to remember to get back to that later on. But a way has been made. There's, there's a, a space. And it, it's delineated. And people should flow to that space. Especially those who, who are friendly. And anybody who's not friendly should see the obstruction and not attempt to get into that space because it's closed off to them. There's a door that's been made. And Jesus says, I am that door. And you know, I'm a firm believer in trying to study this world and look at it just like you are. We look at the world because of the knowledge of God. Because we know who God is, we can look at the world and we can see what God's makeup is. I mean, you can see those calcium projections coming out of a a deer's head or a moose's head. You can see those bony projections and look at it and say that there's, there's a portion of God in that creation. We can look at the sun and we can see an element of who God is. That fire, that burning. And, and we can look at each individual Christian. Because we are called to glorify God, we can look at a person and see people. And I remember I was in, I was in Israel. And I met this really quirky lady. And I mean, she was quirky. But, and I was sitting there, and this is just a confession. I was sitting there and I was, I mean, huge, colorful hats and scarves everywhere and just danglies all over. And I just thought, huh. And then, and I was talking about that and and kind of remarking about her appearance. And a friend of mine that was sitting there with me said, yes, but she she's a display of God's nature because God chose to save her. And I was like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. So we can look at Christians and we can see elements of God's nature because we're, we're glorifying Him, right? So as we look around the world, we can see material representations of an infinite being and God is spirit, you know, but nevertheless, we can look at the periodic table of elements and we can see them. We can look at, we can look at, you know, microbiology under a microscope and see them. And yet this door, what is it? It's just a three represent, three dimensional material representation of a portal from one dimension to another. That's all it is. It's a portal. And we say, well, there's a door. It's got a slab of wood, two hinges, and a latch. And that's a door. Actually, it's not. It's a three-dimensional representation of the door, who is Jesus Christ, who is a barrier between two realms. He's a barrier. And if you want to enter into that, there's a protocol for doing so. And if you don't follow that protocol, you are a thief and a robber. And there are, there are those that try to enter into all kinds of places under the auspices of being something they're not. There's 
people here. There's, there's the statement, I think it's in Matthew 25, if I'm not mistaken, where it talks about the one who's, they're in heaven, and he's not clothed properly. And the Lord says to him, friend, where, where are your raiment? Where's your clothes? And he's not clothed. He didn't come clothed in what? Clothed in the Lamb's provision, you know? And they cast him out. He came in some other way. You know, it, I really would be remiss if I didn't mention that, you know, we're in a time when there's all kinds of counterfeits. There's a counterfeit movement. They're religious movements. And they're supposing to be every bit as true and spiritual as, as the Christian faith. And we're living in a time when that, that counterfeit is, is really being refined done really well with very structured delivery processes, you know, with, with incredible rhetoric, you know, speaking of great swelling things, you know, and, and like the Antichrist will, they're, they're refining this. Satan is refining this thing. Collective salvation is one of those. There's no such thing. There's only individual salvation. There is no collective salvation. Jesus Christ deals with individuals. You know, and so that's just one example of thieves and robbers. It's, it's not the gospel. But he that enters in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Um, It's an obvious reference to an entry into heaven. This door. And these sheep are His saints. Obvious pictures there. Um, to Him the porter opens. And I don't know who that porter is. I've been knocking that around for a long, long time. Who's that porter? Who is that guy? Is it the angels that ushered Poor Lazarus to that place of comfort, you know, maybe, maybe it is, maybe it's an angel, um, or is it God himself making a way for that door to be opened in participation with Jesus Christ? He says at that last, he says at that last, um, Let's see. This commandment I have received of my Father. And so God's instrumental in this. To Him the porter opens and the sheep hear His voice. And, and you know, the sound of God's voice. We're told that it's the sound of many waters. The sound of a multitude. Um, to hear the sound of His voice. You guys know that Sherry Young Word song? I didn't even think of this. And I just love that. To hear the sound of His voice. Crashing through heaven like the waves of the sea. And uh, the chorus is, Oh, to know that I have loved you with all of my life. You know, that song makes me stop if I'm driving. 
It's like, I just got to pull over and just listen to this. Oh, to know that I have loved you with all my... To hear the sound of His voice crashing through heaven like the waves of the sea. Um, He calls His sheep by name. And... You know, that song that Matt sung, you know, talked about always sing his song, the song of the Lamb. And his name, our name, we've been given a name. And and even back, I'm going to try not to harp on this too, too much, but, you know, names are important and words are under attack today. It's common nouns that allow us to identify the things of this world. Talk about taking things for granted. You know, just the gift of speech that God said, God said, God said there in the beginning in Genesis, that He identified things. And Adam named the names of the animals. He gave them names, gave them all names. And and we can... Common nouns are how we identify the world around us. It's what makes us human. You know, animals don't know what a common noun is. They can go to water where they know what it is, but they don't know what the word water is. And and then you have proper nouns, a name. And he's given us all a name. And, you know, we humans get to name a person when they're born to us. Or even if you adopt or whatever the case may be. But you name something. And what's in a name? You know, what's... It's all that hope and expectation that you have for somebody. You name something and you, you labor over that name and you try to figure out what's this person going to be. Or We even have this cat at home and we, we can't even find a name for the thing. I just call it sassy because she's kind of sassy because that's what she is. But you don't know that when you have a child. You don't know what that child's going to be. So you name, it, you name it after a hope. You name it after an expectation. You have this hope in mind for that child, you know, and... And and so, Yahweh, well, that hasn't quite been defined. That's a pretty big name. That's a big name. You know, and you have to read all of Scripture and commit all of Scripture to your, your mind and heart and memory to even have an inkling of what the name Yahweh means. But we're not, we live in time, you know, and we don't have all that right now. It will be there. You know, I'll name a Josiah or a Gabe or a Noah or a Levi. And all those names have a hope. I have a friend, good friend, many of you know him, has a son named True. And he's Gerard Hopkins, Tyson Hopkins the fourth. But um, that's a mouthful. So they called him True. They called him Verily. I mean, you know. Um, and he calls us by name, which means he knows us, which means there's an expectation for us. And he calls the stars by name, an inanimate object. Psalm 147. He numbers the stars, he calls them all by name. And, uh, and that means that he takes the time to do that. So all the more that he takes the time for us. And Ephesians 2.10 says that we're his workmanship. And workmanship, that's, that's a big word. It means masterpiece. And he just took a few days to create the whole heavens and the earth, but he's taking a lifetime to form us. You know, and you can look at the Sistine Chapel of 
Michelangelo, or you can look at a Rembrandt, or you can look at, you know, David, or the, you know, the Moses. And you can look at that, and you can, you can get pretty wrapped up in that. Pretty beautiful things, and you can study it. I got my artistry that I study. You stare at it, you study it. And it took somebody a great deal of time. And God's taking time, because we're all going to be given a new name, right? Um, and he puts forth his own sheep, and he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger will they not follow. But they will follow him. They will flee from the stranger, but they will follow him. For they know not the voice of the stranger. And this parable Jesus spoke, but they understood not. Just like so many things that Jesus spoke, they were hidden from them. They didn't understand it from the onset. And Jesus is used to being misunderstood. He just is. He's really used to that. God's used to being misunderstood. God's people have to be come familiar with becoming with being misunderstood. Um, the rejection of Joseph, or the rejection of Moses, or the rejection of Jesus, um, all based in misunderstanding, misunderstanding, and and. Even there with the simple parable of the sower that for you and I, we, we go back to it so often. It's such a place of um, resort. You know, we, re- we resort to that place often and the meaning of it has been expounded upon so many times. It's been opened up so many times and referenced so many times and it seems so plain to us. But he gave that sermon and, and they didn't understand. The disciples came back to him. And they said, what does this mean? What's it mean? And he says, to you, to you, it is, it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. To you. They didn't understand what it meant. And they didn't understand this. So Jesus, in his conventions, always goes back over it again. And makes sure that they understand it. So in, in verse 7, he says, then Jesus Unto them again, Jesus said unto them again, Verily, verily, there it is a second time. Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. And so there's, you know, just the familiarity of of a voice. And you know, you can, even the distortion of yelling... Um, Jesus spoke with a loud voice in the temple, raised his voice. And some people didn't understand his message. Some people didn't understand the voice of God when he says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. They, they questioned what it was they were hearing. They didn't hear the voice of God. They didn't understand the voice of God. But for those of us that have been in this place, And again, back to my original statement. This familiar ground 
of this portion of Scripture. Um, we go there because we're reminded and to spend time to learn to hear the sound of His voice. I was listening to Missler in lead up to this and, and he kind of embellished a little but just suggested that the trumpet, it might be, it might be God individualizing, saying each person's name. And if you haven't heard the sound of God's voice, you know, in that personal time, do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. As much time as it takes to just get along with the Lord and listen for the sound of His voice. You know, just to, just to hear it and hear Him say your name. There is nothing like it. Nothing like it. To hear the Lord say your name. And, and it's, it's a worthwhile exercise, I think. You know, when God says my name, is He... Does it make him glad? You know? Does it make God glad when he thinks about my name? Because there's... We were just reading yesterday. It stood out to me. In, in Bangor, a guy was talking about the Gadarenes. And, and it said there, You, Son of God, is what the demoniac says to Jesus. Not... A statement, but you son of God. And I read it for the first time and I, I read it as though he was like spitting it out like a cuss word. Like you son of God. Right? I mean, angry that he's there. And it's like that. We have people that we think about and it's not a pleasant thought to think about that person. And if we say their name, we don't say it with... with Gladness. We don't say it as though we, we would rejoice to see them again. We don't say it like that father in the, you know, the prodigal son. He saw that son again. And, and he was just anxiously waiting to see that son. And that name to him is a name that has all that hope. And had all that expectation. And that son said, give me what belongs to me so I can go. Which would have broken his heart, right? But it doesn't change the fact that a dad always hangs on to that hope that he has for his son. And when that son came back broken, he was a changed person. Which means that there was another chance. There was another opportunity for that son and that father to have a lifelong relationship that, that he would have hoped for when he was holding that little child as a baby. You know, and, and you know, we've got to be sanctified. We've, we want to please our Lord. And when he says that name, I hope he's pleased with me. I hope, he's, I hope he says my name with gladness, with joy. And what's nice about God is that He's faithful to correct us. He's faithful to show us what we need to do to be right with Him. And so, hearing His voice is a good thing. It's not like, here's this guy again. Here's that shepherd again. No, it's, here He is. You know, like, and unfortunately, it's, it's better displayed in dogs than it is in people. 
like a dog, you know. A dog will get so excited at hearing his master's voice. They're just thrilled. Couldn't be any happier. Um, He says again, I am the door. And so, this concept, this is, this, this is one of those portions of Scripture. It may be even, even be the first place that Jesus starts down this road of making these statements. I am something. I am some representation. I am the door. I, I am the good shepherd. I am this. This is a facet of who I am. And if you miss it, you miss a lot. I am the door. And, and you know, let me, let me just, let me just digress for a second because I don't want to miss this. Um, I'm going to try to come back. So pray for me. Uh, <laughs> Holly knows what I'm saying. <laughs> um, in the New Jerusalem, the doors are never closed. Isn't that cool? In Revelation 21, 25. I was like, the doors are never closed. And they'll everlasting day. It says that it'll never be closed by day. And then the very next statement is, and there is no night there. So, this barrier is permanently removed. But, okay, that was my digression. I just wanted to hand that off to you. Um, But, he says, I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am this. I, uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the vine. I can't say that without thinking of Tom's old commercial. Every time I, I read John 15 now, I read it with your voice. <laughs> Every single time. Can't be done without it. <laughs> um, I am the vine. You are the branches. You know, he that abideth in me shall bear much fruit. You should just come up here and say it, Tom. <laughs> um, you know, 11, I am the resurrection and the life. Did I already say that one? That one's there too. You know, these, and it's like, it's like, I picture this like a, a stone, a diamond. And when that diamond is uncut, just a, a raw diamond, it's opaque or it's at best translucent, you know, but as you cut it, And if you only cut it once, light can only go in. It can't come out. Right? But if you cut it again, now light can escape. And if you cut it again, and again, and again, and the skill with which that diamond is cut, and all those facets, which is what they're called, begin to show that light. Right? And so... When Jesus tells us of these things, of what He is, I am the door, I am the Good Shepherd, I am the Resurrection. Every one of those is like a cut in a precious stone. And the more cuts, the more facets, the more the light comes in, and the more the light comes out. And the more you get to see who He is. Because that cutting reveals all the beauty that's in there. And otherwise, it's just that raw stone. You don't get to see what's inside of it. And so it's, it's kind of cool like that. You know, it's like precious stone, which is what 
God compares a good name to. He says it's even better than that, as a matter of fact. It's better than riches. It's better than rubies and diamonds. A good name. And it's not a name that you just get. It's a name that you develop. You know, you can be given a name that's trash. But then, through a life well lived, it can become something beautiful and glorious, right? And so, the name represents a life. The name represents either good living or bad living. And He's the door. He's that, he's that way in. That's good. Is, is, is at the final toll, my name going to represent something good and beautiful or something to be avoided? You know? If any man enter in, he shall be saved. And shall go in and shall go out and find pasture. We haven't gotten very far. Um, uh, and find pasture. Um, eating well and finding a place to reside. And this is, like I said already, this is an obvious reference to heaven. Going in and going out. You know, and, and it talks about there in John 14. He says, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Me. In My Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. If it were not so, and it, I, I always like to point out the fact that Jesus approaches that statement from, from the, the position of not just plenty, but fullness. Not just an abundance, but of everything good. If it were not so, I, if it wasn't all that you could possibly hope for and more, I'd let you know that. But the fact is, it is all that you could possibly hope for and more. You know, in Second, First uh, Corinthians, is it two, two, um, where he says, "I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor entered into the hearts of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. I has not seen, nor ear heard. Nothing that we've experienced can prepare you for what God has prepared for those who love Him." So if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. This is a place that we will go in, and we will will go with our Lord in and out. And we'll be with Him. And we'll find good pasture. And and you know what else we're going to do? You know what else we need to be doing presently is show it to others. Teach it to others. To, to show them that there's a good pasture. There's, there's a better way than what our personal um, understanding can lead us in. 
it, it's, it's also those sheep that don't know they're sheep yet. Um, Proverbs 8. I got a note here, but let me just see if I can come up with this. Proverbs 8 is about wisdom, the establishment of wisdom, the formation of wisdom. That it's, it predates creation, as a matter of fact. Come on. Sticky pages. Um. He talks about, blessed is the man that hears, speaking of wisdom, that hears me, watching daily at my gates. Gates, they're doors. Waiting at the posts of my doors. For whoever findeth me findeth life, and shall obtain the favor of the Lord. But he that sins, sins against, uh, he that sins against me wrongs, his own soul, and all that hate me love death. That's a powerful statement. And so, just my remark about being an evangelist. That's what I'm really talking about. Cut to the chase. Just remembering to tell people about this shepherd of ours and about his, the good fields and feeding. He says in verse 10, the thief comes. Not, but for to steal, kill, and destroy. This, this judgment, this, this weighing out. I have placed before you blessing and cursing, life and death. Choose life. Because there, there is a huge um, scale that we need to choose Life And there's a thief who wants to come and kill, to steal, kill, and destroy. And he says, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And there he says it, verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But he that is a hireling and not the shepherd, whose own sheep, whose own the sheep are not, sees the wolf coming. And leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches them and scatters the sheep. And the hireling flees because he is a hireling and cares not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am, and am known of mine. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. You know, we, we are. He is what He does. We are what we do. You can't get away from that. You can't get away from being something if you're not a practitioner of that thing. You can't get away from it. So if you're a hireling, it's proven that this guy's a hireling because he runs. Because he's not a shepherd. And Richard and I were just talking about that, you know. Being something. It's, it's in the doing. You can't be it without doing it. There's no, there's no, you know, I don't know what word to use. There's, there's no superficial, there's no, 
ephemeral doing you know, or being of something without doing it. We're called human beings. That means that we don't say, look at that dog being. We don't, we don't, look at that cat being. They don't, they don't be anything. They just are what they are. But humans are human beings, which, you know, and if you listen to, that's what the classics used to try to teach us, is that you've got to embody something that's pure and good and great and holy and seek those things. And that's in the being. And you most perfectly represent the thing that you say you are. Right? Otherwise, we're a hypocrite. And we don't want to be hypocrites. This guy was just a hireling. So he just ran away. But if we're a shepherd, or even if we're a Christian, or whatever, whatever occupation, you know, then if it's your occupation, you ought to be preoccupied by that. Right? <laughs> to be redundant. <laughs> so... The hireling and the shepherd. But he's the shepherd. And he lays down his life for the sheep. It's a dangerous job. Taking on wolves. Laying your life down. Taking on Pilate. Taking on Herod. Taking on the religious leaders. Taking on the Sanhedrin. That is... Uh, you, you ought to get combat pay for that one. You know, that's it's a dangerous job. It is soldiering. And high risk. And I remember I remember thinking, uh, there's an old who's uh, is it Moody or Wesley? I think it's I don't remember which. Forgive me. I think it's Wesley. And he, he made a quote something to the effect of the world is yet to see what God can do through a man whose life is truly devoted to Him. And I love the quote. And we need more of that. There's no doubt about that. But we actually do know what happens in the world if you live a life fully and totally devoted to God. So they kill you. They kill you like Jesus. That's what the world does. The world can't handle it. Verse 16. Other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring. And they shall hear my voice. And there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore does my Father love me, because I lay down my life that I may take it again. I, uh, no man takes it from me, but I lay it down to myself. That shepherd, right? That's the ultimate description of him being that shepherd. But I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. I have other sheep. I think it's clearly talking about you and me, guys. I do. Brothers and sisters, I think it's it's um, us Gentiles. And God has created a way for us. Always did, really. Just got really muddled in all the pomp and circumstance and religiousness of, 
of um, the contemporaries of Jesus' day. But always did make a way. In the law, there was ways made. Even the promise to Abraham. The whole world would be blessed through Abraham. Um, made a way. And yet, because of sin, there's, there's this inaccessibility. And uh, the fold, the two folds. And if you look at the old temple, you know, very inaccessible. Very inaccessible. God, God had, had closed off this space where once a year the high priest would go in to the Holy of Holies. Once a year. And other than that, it was trespassing. It was off limits. No foot, no human foot was allowed to, to stand in there. And they would even put the bells on the priests, as you guys probably know, as they were going in, jingle, jingle, jingle all the way through, and you would be able to hear them. And if the jingling, you get, you get a real rapid jingle and a loud jingle, and then it stops, they're dead. You know? So, inaccessibility. But because of Jesus... That court, there was that outer court called the Sureg, I think it's pronounced. S-O-R-E-G, I'm not a Hebrew guy. But there was a, there was a, the, there was a barrier. And, and they couldn't come in. They were, they were outside of that barrier. They were not allowed to pass that spot. And then pass that to the, to the court of the Jews. You know, and then, and then there was that, that congregating within that space. And then inside past past the big brazen altar, um, Jews could go. And then there was a place where only Jew, Jewish males could go. You guys, you guys see my point. These like, think about concentric circles moving out. And it's like, there's a barrier. And then there's another barrier. And then there was only a place for the priests. And then there was only that place, you know, where once a day they would go into the holy place and offer. Just once a day. One guy would go in. And one guy of a particular lineage would go in. And that was it. And then once a year, the Holy of Holies. So, inaccessibility is what was typified you know, through the law because of sin. And it was showing us holiness and a lack thereof. But through Christ... Tremendous accessibility. And you just knock on that door. Right? You knock on that door. And it's open to you. And what's inside is the Holy of Holies. Right? That's, that's the accessibility that was closed to thousands of people. Millions of people over thousands of years. But to us in our time... It's open to us if we're wise enough to enter in. And he says, therefore does my Father love me. Therefore. What therefore? Because he made the inaccessible accessible. Because he laid down his life. And there was a division among the Jews for these things. I just love that. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> Duh. Um, there's actually a a um, kind of a 
narrative that they generate in this portion of John where they're trying to, you know, push the idea. He's crazy. He's crazy. He's got a devil. He's crazy. Don't listen to him. He's, you know, and they say, these are not the words of him that has a devil. These are not the words of him. that. These are not crazy words. He is not a crazy person. These are not the words of him that has a devil. There are those that will try to, you know, I, I'm a big history guy. I, I like it. I think there's a lot to glean from history. And there's people that think that, you know, a guy like Abraham Lincoln was a shill, was, a, was just trying to bring people into captivity. Or, or, or that Winston Churchill was just trying to bring people in, into captivity. And it's like, these are not the words of a crazy man, of a deceiver. People that are trying to liberate people. And, and that looks like something. That sounds like something. That's got a message behind it. And you listen to somebody talk long enough, you're going to figure out whether or not they're a deceiver or not. These are not the words of a deceiver. He is not mad. And then he backs it up again with the doing, with the being of who he is. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? Why would he? Our door and our shepherd laying his life down for the sheep. Um, I hope you guys are edified a little by this. It always encourages me to be in this portion of Scripture. I've been just hunkered down here for quite a while, ruminating. Ruminating on this stuff. Just uh, spending time.